Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 19 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips, or as the cool kids call it, BFMD. My name's Clayton Croker, coming to you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So is uh, the guy to my left, Justin Anderson. How's it going, bud? It's going quite wonderful. And Captain Skype. Patrick Marsh, uh, the Maritime <laughs> Mistress Maker, um, the Alan Doyle Fan Club President, CEO, Treasurer, Note Taker, you name it, he's all over the Doyle. Um, we're all over the internet, by the way. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at BFMD Podcast, Bathless Maple Dips. You know how a search bar works. Uh, Spotify, Google Play Music, iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, we're all over that. Um, Montana, we love you. <laughs> Langenberg, Saskatchewan, home of Jess Moskaluk, three-time CCMA Award winner. We love you. Uh, we love you, Vermont. We love you, Wyoming. We love you, Siam. Uh, basically, today we're going to look through the Jays' arbitration cases, see if they're worth it or not. So we've got some mm-hmm. juicy names on there, too. Ken Giles, Marcus Stroman, Gritch Daddy, Devin Travis. Uh, then we're going to go over our predictions from the playoffs because, spoiler alert, a lot were wrong. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some more predictions coming up for the playoffs and uh, answer some of those questions that we asked uh last week so for you beauties in montana that just hinge on our every word good news we will be answering your questions from uh yesterday or last week not yesterday just seems like time slows down when i'm not around you guys yeah i understand i feel the same way no i just can't talk uh (laughs) let's get this going here with uh arbitration for the jays uh we have 11 players who are eligible for arbitration first of all how do you guys like arbitration like when it comes down to it, do you think arbitration should be a part of baseball? Like, do you like how teams and players kind of fight with each other over money? <laughs> I I always think of the uh, episode of The Office where where uh, Daryl wants a raise, and so and Michael decides yeah, he wants a raise. Exactly. And then Jan goes off the record and it's like, ask for fifteen, yeah. so I can give you twelve. Yeah. <laughs> and, then <laughs> he, and then he asks for fifteen. No, but I can offer you twelve. But you just said fifteen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like that's how I feel in arbitration here with Marcus Stroman. Yeah. Probably goes. Bippity boppity, uh, give me the zoppity. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh, man, The Office is great. Uh, two things to add to our intro. We're out on TuneIn and okay. Stitcher now as well. Well, then put it in the notes and I'll say it. Don't I throw did. me under the bus I like know, I that. Just, I just added it you like better. after you already got through it. But I was like, oh, yeah, I've got to put that in there. That's, so that's my bad. But, yeah, we're two more platforms. We're, we're, li- we're literally everywhere. All right, arbitration. <laughs> what do you think about it, Patrick? Uh, honestly, I mixed bag because on one hand – I, uh, I I would say that I'm pro MLBPA. I'm in favor of the union fighting for the rights of the players, but at the same time, I do like it when my team can go out and sign more players, uh, but that's kind of more of a selfish thing than it is, you know, altruistic. I don't know. I'm split down the middle. Honestly, it doesn't have any direct impact on my everyday life. So, and we're already dealing with millionaires. So, I don't know. Fuck them. Don't get too edgy on us there. Way to sit on a fence there. There's one thing about entertaining radio. It's people agreeing with each other. That's great. So let's just uh, go through how this is going to work. So, for example, let's go with our worst player on the uh, arbitration list here, Joe Biagini. Uh, his salary in 2018, $545,000, and he earned none of it. Uh, his projected salary next year is $1 million. So the team basically has to fight against Joe Biagini in court 
to not give him that $1 million. They want to go lower than that. That's how we're kind of doing it, right? Yeah, well, that's kind of what the Jays would like. I don't know. Yeah. I, would, I would have went with Jan Harris Salarte as our worst player just based on how much money he made this season yeah. and his performance. I'm just thinking on the field-wise <laughs> and on this podcast-wise, yeah. we hate be a genie. So yeah. let's uh, start things off with Marcus Stroman. 2018, he made 6.5. He's projected to earn $7.2 million in 2019. Um, do you think he's worth it? And if Stroman demands more, how much more do you think he should get? Let's start with Patrick oh, here. Well, the truth is that despite my feelings when it comes to Marcus Stroman, if he were on a different team or on a better team in different circumstances, his record would probably look a little bit better. Uh, so to say that he's worth $7.2 million, I think, is a little... It's kind of like unfair. I think like in a vacuum, if you put Marcus Stroman on any like good baseball team, he'll win you at least 10 to 15 games uh, just by virtue of getting better run support. I'm not saying the team didn't support him enough, but I don't know. I just I think Stroman is worth 10 million. But after the season he just had, he won't get that. So. 7.2 million sounds pretty safe to me. I think Stroman is in that top tier of pitchers in the league, and if we can get him for $7.2 million, a top tier pitcher, absolutely. $7.2 million, I think, is low for Marcus Stroman. I go to yeah. about $8.2 million. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that just based on the fact that he wasn't healthy for a full season this year and his performance when he was was pretty rocky. Mm -hmm. Marcus Stroman has the opportunity to pitch well in 2019 and to earn more money going forward. I think he'll do that, but for right now, we, we have to base his salary on what he's done so far, not what he could do. You don't pay somebody based on the fact that, oh, this guy could win 20 games, True. but he also might be injured all season again and maybe only pitch in 20 games. All right, 100 Miles Giles, Ken Giles. He's projected to make $6.6 .6 million next year. He made $4.6 million this year. Do we risk spending $6.6 .6 million on a guy who had a great end of the season, new uh, scenery for him, he pitched well in it, mm -hmm. but also, too, he's still a little unproven. So would you pay him that amount, Justin, or are you going to go a little bit lower for that? Honestly, um, based on what we saw from Ken Giles in the closers role and based on what he said about his time so far in Toronto, is he's, he's enjoyed it there um and he's perfect in save situations this season and, and there's only a couple of outings where he looked kind of rocky but he still got the job done um i'm gonna pay ken giles that money patrick are you paying ken giles 6.6 .6 million no uh and the reason why is because he hasn't proved it yet i understand like he had a fairly successful time in toronto but there is a reason why houston was happy to part with him and i don't think it's exclusively because of the head case issues i think it's more along the lines of in non-safe situations throughout his career to date ken giles has been unreliable so projected to earn 6.6 .6 million there aren't really that many closers that earn that much money we don't even know if ken giles is going to be our long-term closer i mean he certainly looked good you know, during his, quote, first year with the Jays. But it could be a different story next year. I say, like, of any of the players I want to try to see on right now, I'd say, like, really pinch the pennies and try to keep Ken Giles' raise as low as possible. 
All right, yeah, and Jervis Solarte um, projected to make five point nine million next year. Um, we have a five point five million dollar option with a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar buyout on him. Would you buy out Solarte? Yeah, I it's, think it's that's not the a, best option. I don't think I, don't, I think Solarte is probably the least um, <clears throat> uh, player on the player on this list who is least worth re-signing. Mm-hmm. Like he's the guy where you can just say like, let's cut him loose. We don't need him. We've talked about it before how crowded our infield is. We just don't really need Jan Harvest Solarte anymore. Yeah, do we need Solarte, Patrick, or no? If I was in control of the payroll or making and, and breaking deals with players, I would actually pay Young Hervis Solarte as much money as possible to not play for the Jays next year. <laughs> I would rather pay I would rather pay him five point five million dollars to not play for the Jays. That's how bad he was last year. I obviously would not pay him that, but I wouldn't say he was the worst player for the Jays. There were moments where he had some pop in his bat and he added some excitement. He was kind of entertaining. Yeah, I don't really want him on the team, the year, though. Yeah. I don't really want him on the team anymore, though. I want to see our young guys instead of Solarte. Like, yeah. I'm sick and tired of the Jays always bringing in these kind of middle-aged guys for a baseball career, you know, 28, 29, and them just kind of playing well and sticking around. Yeah. I'm done. I want I want our young guns who we've drafted and yeah. we've put a lot of time and money so, in. I want to see them in the majors. Yeah, Solarte posted a negative 1.3 wins above the placement this year, and as bad as he was on defense, he was even more yeah. of a negative impact player with his bat. That's so. bad. Uh, Kevin uh, Pillar. Yeah, not great. <laughs> 3.25 million. That's what he made last year. He's projected to make 5.3 million. Center fielders get paid a lot of money. Yeah. And the fact is we can get Kevin Pillar for, let's say, five. What if we got Kevin Pillar for $5 million, a nice round number? We gave Granderson seven last year? Yeah. Or this year, I should say? Yeah, that was based on his past. Exactly. So do you give Kevin Pillar $5 million? I already know what Patrick's going to say, but let's let's hear it anyway. Uh, To quote Clayton Croker uh, from five minutes ago, I'm sick and tired of the Toronto Blue Jays having these – Middle-aged players. Yeah, but you Kevin Pillar is a guy we drafted, 30. though. No, Kevin Pillar is a guy we drafted. <laughs> Kevin Pillar is a guy who's been there for like four oh, or five years. Solarte's just been there for one year. I hate those guys, like the Troy Glosses and the Shea Hillen brands that we always used to pick up. The Scott Rowlands. Yeah, the Scott. I hated those guys. They're like, okay, why are we hanging on to these guys? But Kevin Pillar, no, he's been there with the team. He is a J. <laughs> those guys that are just picked up in free agency here for two years and then leave. I didn't even finish my sentence <laughs> before <laughs> you jumped on me. <laughs> yeah, I. The, my no, gripe was kind of. Yeah, same no. as Patrick. I mean, <laughs> go ahead, Patrick. Finish your thought. Um, no, I wouldn't pay him. I would get rid of him as soon as possible. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'm done with this. I'm in the same boat uh, as that too. I mean, Kevin Pillar, he posted his best numbers this year in terms of like power numbers, his ISO, because he hit a lot of doubles. But his walk rate was a career low, three point three percent. While his strikeout rate was a career high over a full season, 18.1%. His on-base was 282, guys. He's a Major League Baseball player who can't get on base 30% of the time. It's Mike Trout, Mookie Almost. Betts. Mookie Betts hit 340 this year. He, his batting average is higher than Kevin Pillar's on-base percentage. But Mookie Betts is a freak. He's a once-in-a-generation once type of talent. Considering that Kevin Pillar's OPS is below 700, that's not great. He's barely above 600. He's, his OPS was 608. That's not good but for a Justin, baseball player. He makes good, desperate catches in yeah, center field. We didn't we see that many of those this him. year. Sparks the team, guys. Sparks his, the team. His his defensive 
uh, contributions this year were the lowest of his career over the course of a full season. Um, he's played four full seasons in the big leagues, and this was by far his worst season defensively. He's 29. He's going to be 30 uh, before the season starts. That's when outfield defense starts to go downhill for most players. I mean, there are like Kevin Plars. Kevin Plars a smart outfielder, but at a certain point, being smart only does so much for you when you're not fast enough anymore. And I don't think Kevin Plars is that fast. He gets a really good jump on the ball, and that's what saves him on a lot of plays. I've talked about that before. But in terms of his overall outfield ability, getting a good jump but not being able to get to a ball, or it's it's going to hurt him as we go forward. Uh, what uh, what level of baseball did you guys play when you were kids? <laughs> I played two years of baseball, and I've been an umpire for 12 years. Okay. Patrick, did you play any ball growing up? I did. I played rookie ball, which has, like, the pitching machine yeah. <laughs> for a year. And then after that, I played two years of I don't know what you would call it. Not literally, but before that. But we actually had, like, um, like pitch, we faced human pitchers. Yeah. All right. Good uh, explanation there. Uh, I played my whole life. I played uh, midget AAA ball for three years. Uh, for in Saskatoon here for the Diamondbacks, like pretty high level ball. I can uh, tell you guys that those defensive pl- those defensive plays in the outfield spark a team. They can turn it around. So technically, if you make those big plays, I mean, I'm not saying that Kevin Pillar is the cornerstone of our team by <laughs> no means. But those big plays, you guys are underrating those big plays. They can spark a team not just for a game but for a while. It's yeah. just something that brings the boys together. In my playing days, I know that we were down by a bunch of runs. There's a big defensive play. We feel like we can win the game. That's what I think Kevin Pillar well, brings to the team. I think that we have guys like uh, Randall Grichuk who made a couple of big defensive plays, like stealing that home runaway in Houston this year. We can have him at the same time. We can have Pillar and Grichuk out there. Do you, did you see the catch that Anthony Alford made at the end of the season in center field? I did not. It was an incredible baseball play. Mm-hmm. It had less than a 5% chance of being caught, according to StatCast. Mm-hmm. And he caught it. <laughs> well, Anthony Alford can call us when he has like an 11 minute YouTube video of his awesome catches in the outfield. He, but might he have has it. one. I'm sure he has that from, tri- but, from okay. his, all his years in the minors. Yeah. Randall Gritchick, uh, $3.8 million, his projected salary for next Moving year. Moving on. <laughs> uh, do you, or no, 4.8 for Randall Gritchick. Yeah. Uh, do we give him that much money even though we started the year so bad? Oh, God, yeah. Randall Gritchick, uh, based on a full season of Randall Gritchick, where he finished compared to where he started. He he. Uh, if he would have started better, he's probably worth more than that, more than four point eight. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a bargain for a corner outfielder who could who could hit thirty home runs over the course of a full season. Yeah, Patrick Gritch, Daddy. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm all for Gritch, Daddy. I'm sorry, Clayton. I feel bad. Like we riled, we riled up pretty bad there. <laughs> Well, I don't think the, I've one, ever heard you speak so passionately in defense of anything. Of the, uh, so one of the uh, best faces of the team, Kevin Pillar. You guys just throwing him under the bus. He has never given enough credit. I like that's pushing fine. Kevin Pillar under the bus. Yeah, that's I, fine. I feel like you've had enough of it, and today is just like an explosion of. Man, you guys don't. I know you guys are all moneyball over here, getting on base. You need defense. <laughs> you gotta get on base, you though. Gotta get on base, but that's fine. <laughs> we, have guys, we have other guys to get on base. It's, yeah. It's not like he's batting it's like two twenty. He has to get on base, it's man. It's not like he's but... batting two twenty like Brett Laurie was back in the. Day. Well, like he's batting 270 or 280. The whatever difference it is. between like, Kevin Pillar and Brett Laurie is that we moved on from Brett Laurie pretty quickly. Yeah, but Pilar we've, we've allowed plays. we've allowed Kevin Pillar to do this for four years now. That's true. Uh, Aaron Sanchez, <laughs> can we just agree that he's worth the 3.8 million dollars? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Uh, Devin. Tra- yeah, Devin yeah. Travis. Can we all agree that he is not worth the 2.4 million dollars? <sighs> I'm still hung up a bit on Devin Travis. 
I want him to be. I want him to be good. When he's when Devin Travis is healthy, he is a top fifteen second baseman. And when he's not healthy, like we've seen him be, he's not worthy of a major league contract. Yeah, I still think that Devin Travis has something to offer on a major league roster. Whether or not that's with the Blue Jays remains to be seen. We've got so many questions regarding middle infielders with Lourdes Gurriel, Edmus Diaz, Troy Tulowitzki of all people coming up, Bo Bichette, Kevon Biggio. There's people coming, and Devin Travis is going to be pushed out soon, if not before the next before the 2019 season starts. He hit 232 this year. Kevin yeah. Pillar hit two. Why aren't you crapping on Devin Travis's bat? Because Devin Travis was hurt for most of the season. He played in 105 games. I think Kevin Pillar played in 140. That's true. So there's a little bit of a difference there. Um and I don't expect as much of Devin Travis because we know he's not a great defender. He never has been. That's true. Are you as hung up on Devin Travis here, Patrick? Or do like I'm done with him, but I think he'll be non-tendered. Uh, I don't know. I see like somebody is going to take a chance on him. Mm-hmm. I don't think the MLB door is going to be like fully closed on Devin Travis because you know when he's been at his best, he's been a 300 hitter. Yeah in large swaths of time and that's impressive and he's still only what 26 27 something like that Devin Travis so is like, 27 yep yeah like I don't think the door is fully closed on him but as far as like his time in Toronto goes Kavon Biggio is going to be our second baseman in one to two years anyway so mm-hmm. there's not gonna be room for him on the team uh now we get to the nitty-gritty here um Jake Patricka $1.7 million next year. That's what he's projected to make. He made $575,000 this year, so pennies, really. Yeah. Uh, has Patricka done enough for you guys to give him almost $2 million? Because he's probably going to get more than that arbitration. So Jake Patricka is 30. Oh, then why? Yeah, we don't want him then. He, he, this is his first year in our organization. Um, no, I am i don't think – Jake Patricka has never been a, a great pitcher over the course of his career. Uh, he's a reliever at best. He's never started a game in the big leagues. He saved 14 games to the White Sox in 2014. I did not know that. Um, but at the same time, his numbers just aren't solid enough to warrant being on a major league roster at this point. Not ours. He gives mm-hmm. up a ton of home runs per fly ball, which in a bullpen arm you don't want to see. So I'm I'm perfectly fine with just saying happy trails to Jake Patrichka. You too, Patrick, or no? No, I disagree completely. I think Jim Patricka is definitely worth $1.7 million. And this is going to be a year where a lot of people are going to be paying out the nose to be getting relievers. And we are going to need somebody. We just don't have the money or the resources right now to, to be, you know, bringing up a prospect who's going to have an ERA over six in the bullpen or you know, like the Mark Leiter special. And um, it's true. Uh, 2014 was definitely Patricka's uh, best year in terms of success. He had a 2.96 ERA and 73 innings pitched uh, with White Sox. He hasn't come anywhere close to being able to recapture that success. Maybe it's because he hasn't been put in the same situations as he was in Chicago at that time. Uh, but I think that Chicago team was crap at that time anyway, and it didn't really matter. But from what we saw this year, it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, I don't really agree with the assessment that he gives a ton of home runs. He's only given up 18 home runs his entire career, 
and that's over 223 innings pitched. Uh, I'm sure if we went and looked at like a season, this past season for Marcus Stroman, he probably gave up that many home runs and less innings. So like that's kind of deceiving to say that he he's he gets knocked around the ballpark a lot, but he can generate strikeouts. Uh, he doesn't walk as many as you think he does. So I don't want to give up on him just yet. And we kind of need him in the lineup or in the bullpen anyway, just because we we don't have a lot of options internally. Yeah. Uh, see, on the, on the home runs, um, over the last two seasons, he, he's given up 12 of those 18 home runs. He's given up six in each of the last two years. So, yep. And prior to that, in, in four seasons, he'd only given up six. So I mean, his home run totals have have gone up the last couple of years. So I don't. I'm still. I don't want Jake Petrichko around just because I don't think that a 30 year old bullpen arm is the cure. We're not going to be competitive next year, and probably not in 2020 either. Um, but at the same time, it, it's it's tough for us to just keep putting out these bullpen arms who just have no business being around. I think Jake Petrichko is in the same category as Mark Leiter Jr. To be honest, and they just both should not be on our 40-man roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, last yeah, yeah, I know, okay. but Justin, hold, hold on a second. Uh, who's Who goes out there then if not Jake Petricka? If we're going to pick somebody internally, is it really going to help a 23-year-old I don't think it needs come to up be. to the MLB team? Sergio hold on, let me Santos, yeah. let's bring him back. I don't is think it, it needs is, to be internally. It's is, it gonna, gonna be is it going to help region. us if we bring up a 23-year-old relief pitcher, have him go out there and get lit up like a Christmas tree? Because he will. That's what happens. And lose a bunch of games because of it. Is that really going to help anybody for the sake of saving, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars? Or can we just go with Jake Patricka and give our players the time they need to develop, knowing that we're not going to be competitive? It we doesn't matter back... if Jake Patricka goes out there and sucks. <laughs> we know we're going to suck next year. Yeah. Scott Schoenweiss, bring him back. <laughs> bring him back. Honestly, I, I just I, I watched enough games this year that where Jake Patricka just looked completely lost out there. And I've I've had enough of him personally. All right, last guy for arbitration, Brandon Jury. Uh, one point four million dollars for Brandon Jury. Do you think that because that's pretty good money for a, a utility infielder, is which yeah. we would probably use Brandon Jury for? Do we want to pay utility infielder almost one and a half million dollars? Yeah, it's yeah. He's an upgrade over Jan Harris Solarte defensively, um, and probably with the bat. Brandon Jury, when he was healthy in his years in Arizona, he was a good major league baseball player. He was solid. Like he, the, he had a year in 2016 where he batted 282. He even batted 267 in 2017. He hit 16 home runs and 13 home runs in those two years. And this year he only played in 26 games. He mm. was hurt two or three different times. Some bad luck for him. So I think Brennan Drury, when healthy, um, is able to contribute on a major league roster because of his versatility and with his bat. Brennan Drury, here in A, Patrick. Uh, nay, he's a great name to be considered to not protect when it comes to the 40-man roster. I, he doesn't have a future as a major league starter anymore. He is a better utility player than young Hervis Salarte, uh, but that is not saying enough to justify somebody who's batted, you know, under 200 for the year last year. I know it's like a deceptively low amount of games played and. Yes, he had success in Arizona, but he's not in Arizona anymore. He's in Toronto, and he hasn't played well in Toronto. All right, that's the uh, arbitration slash Blue Jay segment of the podcast. It's time for uh, segment two 
Uh, let's talk about the playoffs here. The wild card games, in your opinion, which was the more uh, interesting storyline from the game? Uh, the Colorado-Chicago series going 13 innings, and mm-hmm. it seemed like every inning had like a crazy on-your-edge-of-your-seat kind of moment. Like, yeah. oh, they got runners on first and second again, you know, to come with that kind of game. Or Oakland using a bullpen day <laughs> in their wild card game. What is the better storyline, Patrick? Uh the one I want to talk about more is the bullpen day. Uh, I just, I cannot wrap my head around why they did that. I just, maybe Justin, uh, you've got some insight on that, but I just can't believe it. I have no idea why they did it either. I, I was, when I looked up the starting pitchers and it showed Liam Hendricks, I was, I got some like Vietnam flashbacks to his time in Toronto where, they weren't great. <laughs> and yeah. as soon as I saw it, I was like, this game is going to be a joke. I didn't even watch that game. And I'm glad I didn't because watching the highlights after, like, the, the A's didn't score until the, the top of the eighth when Chris Davis hit a two run home run. And that was their offense for the night in the top of the eighth after losing, being to, down six nothing. Like, I don't um, understand. And imagine being one of the starters on the Oakland, Oakland Athletics team <laughs> and being told, nah, we're going to go with. Liam like Hendricks. Liam fucking Hendricks to start our wildcard game, our first opportunity in a little while to like yeah. stick it to the Yankees in the playoffs. And he goes out and just lays an egg. And then all these guys who fought really hard to like get, you know, 80 to a hundred innings this year. Nope. You're not starting. <laughs> like that's it's just stupid yeah it's it's almost i'm wondering if there's some sort of conspiracy going on like, did the mlb pay oakland to not start a, start a starting pitcher like they wanted the yankees to win so badly <laughs> wouldn't be that crazy of an idea because again having a bullpen day in the playoffs is so stupid the brewers it's did so it so stupid though like yeah. why would you do that not maybe like in a game three where it's tied one one and you're like hey we have no arms Fair we enough. really need to yeah. save our pitching let's just hope we go off on the bats in a winner-take-all game, in a wild-card game, you're going to go with a bullpen day? Yeah, that's bad. Uh, is your starting pitching that bad? I don't think Oakland's starting pitching was that bad this year. Like It, it wasn't. It wasn't, yeah. They were missing their uh, their big study with uh, Manea put through the no-hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still had guys who would have done better than Liam fucking Hendricks. Yeah. The uh, Colorado-Chicago Cubs game. Are you guys worried about the Cubs at all? Because their hitting did not look great this game. And it doesn't sound like Chris Bryant wants to come back there next year either. <laughs> it's it's interesting to see, it's interesting to see uh, the Cubs kind of imploding on themselves. I yeah. mean, they they were leading that division until like the last few days of the season, and then they kind of the Brewers. Well, the Brewers have are on a huge winning streak. Yeah, including the playoffs. Uh, but the Cubs kind of just chose the worst time of the year to come off of the high and just hit a trough. Like teams go cold for a while, but they picked the worst. They time. really did. Uh, let's get to the divisional series then, because I mean, there's only so much we can talk about with the wild card. Yeah. Uh, Milwaukee sweeping Colorado. I thought after that wild card game, Colorado kind of blew their load, if you will, because <laughs> when you have those big emotional wins in a game That's seven tough. or a wild card game or whatever, it's tough to come back and play a team like Milwaukee. Um, that 146 batting average from the Rockies, yeah. and plus Christian Yelich is just too good at baseball. Um, Milwaukee, <laughs> looking at them. Even though Colorado wasn't as good as a baseball team as the Dodgers, do you guys think that Milwaukee will have a problem with the Dodgers or no? I think that's going to be a, a very uh, – both these championship series that we're going to talk about are going to be very close. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued to see how the Brewers' starting rotation holds up because I, the Dodgers definitely have a stronger 
starting rotation. I mean, they have Clayton Kershaw, who's the yeah. best pitcher in baseball probably right now. Um, no offense to Chris Sale, who's also very good. But it's that's gonna be the, I think that's gonna be a tail of tape because if both teams can score runs on offense, they're power hitting teams. The Brewers obviously have Yelich, Braun, and uh, Jesus Aguilar who can mash home runs. But the, then the Dodgers have Jock Peterson, Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Matt Kemp who can Yasiel Puig who all have power. Like, yeah. Manny Machado like this is a star-studded series, and it's going to be fun to see kind of the small market Brewers take on the juggernaut Dodgers. Patrick, what did you see out of the Brewers in that series against Colorado? Were you impressed with their sweep, or is it kind of like, uh, eh, it's just Colorado? Uh, the thing that was impressive was they, like Justin alluded to earlier, they were able to pull off a bullpen day in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they could is because they have a really good bullpen, and that's going to be the difference uh, between uh, L.A. and Milwaukee in the NLCS. I think if everything else... Uh, notwithstanding, it all kind of kills us all. And I think it's going to be a battle of the bullpens. Who's going to be able to hold the line when the starters come out of the game? And I think, based on what I've seen from Kenley Jansen, I think Milwaukee might have the Even if Clayton Kershaw starts two to three games, I still think Milwaukee is going to win. Hmm. Okay, back to the or on to the next uh, series here. L.A. beating Atlanta in four games. I thought the Braves were going to do it. Yeah, I we think both the did. young Braves. I thought they were just great. Their stadium in the playoffs, that new Sun Life Stadium, is that what we call it? Sun yeah, Life Sun Park. Trust. Sun Trust. Yeah. Yeah. That is an awesome ballpark in the playoffs. That place was <laughs> loud. That place was packed. But the Braves couldn't do it. Are they just too young, or is it the Dodgers are better than them? The the Dodgers were the better team in this series, and yeah, the Braves are a young team. This is great experience for those rookies that in Atlanta. And yeah, he's like you said in the stadium when they turned the lights off during that pitching yeah. change, and all the people had the phones out. Oh yeah, doing the chop like that was super cool. I've never seen that in a ballpark before. Uh, I thought that was a really cool thing that they did. I mean. We saw some some uh, positive things to the Braves, like Ronald Acuna Jr. hitting that grand slam. He's awesome. Um, he, he was the youngest player in the postseason. He's 20 years old, and he hit a grand slam in the playoffs, which is pretty cool. Uh, obviously, Manny Machado had a great series for the Dodgers. He only had a few hits, but two of them were home runs. Yeah. Um, and they came at important times. And Clayton Kershaw exercised his postseason demons with an eight-inning shutout effort. In game two, uh, he only struck out three batters, but he just he was he was dominant. Like the he had everybody. He was they were out in front. They were mm-hmm. over top of everything, just hitting grounders all day. Yeah, Patrick, what did you think of the Dodgers in that series, and what do you think about the Braves' future? So I don't know, like guys, I called it. The <laughs> the Dodgers <laughs> did stomp the Braves. They were able to get that one win, which was great. Uh, kudos to Ronald Acuna for the grand slam. I didn't even think they would get one win against the Dodgers, but that just goes to show just how battle-hardened the Dodgers are. I mean, they have been in the playoffs so many times in recent years, and Clayton Kershaw right now is playing the the best uh, postseason baseball I have seen from a pitcher in a very long time. But I think the Braves are going to take this loss, and they're going to use that experience to help mold them for more competitive playoff baseball in the future. Um, they just got so many great young players, and I think we're going to see another uh, dynasty-like Braves team resurface here in the uh, 2020s. Let's yeah. move to the AL here. Uh, that Houston-Cleveland series that we all predicted would be awesome. It was not. Super great baseball. Oof. 
sucked. The <laughs> Astros outscored the Indians 21-6. to They hit eight home runs. Are you guys a little disappointed in how Cleveland played, especially their entire lineup? Outside of Francisco Lindor, they hit 100. Yeah. Like, that's, that's really, really bad. We all expected a great series. Is Houston just that good, or did Cleveland just lay an egg? I think we kind of saw the same thing happen in Cleveland that happened to the Cubs the last little week of the season there, where their, their offense just went completely cold. Not to take anything away from the Astros, who do have an incredible rotation. Verlander was masterful, as usual, in the mm-hmm. playoffs, in the game that he pitched. And, I mean, the Astros showed up on both sides of the ball. Offensively, defensively, they were great. Yeah. Um, and the Indians just weren't. It's, it's unfortunate because the Indians had some power bats. And, I mean, they added Josh Donaldson, obviously, who went over in the series. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Edwin got a hit, maybe one hit in the whole series as well, but it was just it was it was a shame to see two great teams play and have one team just look that they did not belong at all. Yeah, Patrick, do you think it was Houston being good or Cleveland being bad? What was the bigger factor in the series? It, honestly, this was like shock. Not only was it shocking, this was as big a disaster as you could imagine for Cleveland. I do still believe that uh, stretched out over a full season, Cleveland does have a better starting rotation with, you know, Salazar, Carrasco, and uh, Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Even if those guys went out and pitched gems, their hitting just absolutely dissolved. They were nowhere to be found, and they just couldn't get any offense going against uh, those other aces on the other side of the uh, the diamond. It. I don't know. Like, do you guys think that this Houston team is now like flirting with the idea of like a dynasty? Do you think there's even a chance now that Dallas Keuchel leaves Houston if they are able to repeat? I think they need younger pitching, but I think their offense is just loaded and ready for a dynasty type run because their batting lineup is insane. But their pitching, I mean, Verlander is getting up there in age. He is great, but he's still a little old. Like he's still kind of playing with some magic that he had from um, that trade from Detroit because he was not looking good his last few years in Detroit. And then that change of scenery just kind of jump-started his career again. Maybe that magic's kind of running out. I mean, it doesn't look like it is because he's just chucking. Yeah. It's... But do does Houston have a lot of pitching prospects right now? I mean, they got Osuna from us. They got so a couple chuckers, yeah. They got a couple good guys. Oh, yeah. But, like, it's not like their offense right now where it's like, holy crap, these I've, guys are loaded. I think we'll be, we'll be surprised with some of the prospects that are coming up through Houston's uh, system on, on the pitching side. They've got a couple of guys who are going to be real good. Hmm. Uh, let's talk about Boston and New York. That series, uh, <laughs> your classic Boston-New York series. You had assholes in the in the stands chucking things at each other. You had awesome <laughs> chirps and chants coming from the stands. That's what I love most about these series uh, is the atmosphere at both ballparks. Before we get into the talk, where would you guys rather see a playoff baseball game, a Yankee Stadium game? Where it's like 99% drunk people and they're getting rowdy New Yorks and it's all dudes or a Fenway Park playoff game. I'd like to go to Fenway just because I think that they're a little bit more respectful than the Yankees. I know the obvious answer is Fenway because it's Fenway Park, but I would love to go to a game in New York with just all those New York assholes and see what they're like in the playoffs. I need to wear water-resistant clothing. Yeah, obviously, (laughs) and like sit up high. But I would love to go to a playoff game in Yankee Stadium, just see their fans. It looks so fun. Oh, man. <laughs> what do you think, Patrick? 
This is a great question. <laughs> I've, I've just spent the last like two minutes He's trying thinking. to think about the answer. And honestly, Fenway Park is just the quintessential American ballpark next to Wrigley Field. And New Yankee Stadium would be it would be a hell of a showcase. Um, but I think I'd rather go to Fenway and hopefully watch the Red Sox uh, screw up another playoff game mm. in their uh, <laughs> in their lifelong pursuit of uh, trying to chase down the Yankees' success. Well, let's talk about two former Jays in the series because game one, Jay Happ, yeah, not great. Five runs over two innings. I think they took him out a little bit early, but that's what you do in the playoffs. You yeah. take your starters out early when they start to struggle. You don't want to have a huge meltdown out there. And then David Price in game two, classic David Price, not getting out of the second inning, not playing great. <laughs> oh, Who was more disappointing in you guys there? Uh, to you guys there, Hap in game one or Price in game two? <laughs> uh, honestly, probably Jay Hap, to be fair. I mean, we kind of expect this from David Price at this point. Jay Hap doesn't have a ton of postseason experience. But I, I thought he would do better than he did. I mean, he pitched well with, with in his time with the Yankees this season, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a shame to see him uh, obviously get roughed up quite a bit in those first couple innings and obviously not get a chance to pitch again. So it's too bad for Jay. Patrick, uh, David Price or Jay Happ, who blew it more? Uh, well, they both stank, but it's kind of interesting. One of the Sox pitchers who was very successful was Nathan Avaldi, and I believe... I was the one who suggested we should go out and sign him when we were doing uh, the big facelift on our starting rotation. So, <laughs> very interesting. I know I have him in my Dynasty Fantasy League, and I like him as well. I think it's David Price he, being more disappointing, yeah. to be honest with you, because yeah. it's David freaking Price. Like yeah. It's David Price. He's one of the, not one of the best pitchers in baseball, but there was a time when he was considered probably top three pitcher in baseball Mm -hmm. and he will go down when his career is all said and done as maybe not one of the greats of all time but definitely flirting with that kind of area i mean he chucks gas in the regular season the thing is he's awful in the playoffs like he he won't go down as one of the greats because he doesn't have that one playoff performance he doesn't have that chilling moment he doesn't have any of those kind of moments he just sucks in the playoffs but you think he would figure it out by now it's too bad he just hasn't uh that 16-1 game by boston i think that just happens in baseball every once in a while uh that a team just forgets to show up and whatever but that game four i really thought the yankees were gonna pull it off at the end i really thought the yankees were gonna come back and take it but another former jay steve pierce made that great stretch that was a great play i definitely thought the yankees were like it was their time to come back and break red sox fans (laughs) <laughs> but it just didn't happen. I had a feeling, but it just didn't happen. Uh, were you surprised that the Red Sox kind of had some ease with the Yankees in this series, Patrick? I'm not surprised because I knew the Sox were the better team. What kind of does surprise me, though, is that we're seeing a lot of starting pitchers in the playoffs get roughed up bad. Mm-hmm. and. Do you guys think it's a combination of like age plus fatigue or is it just like when a team is hot, they just can't be beat? I don't know what it is, but it just seems to me like starters are getting beat up big time uh, in all these division games. I think it's mostly the batters. And I mean, there's the whole, all, all kinds of rumors flying around that the baseballs in the playoffs are juiced and this kind of thing. That, yeah. Okay. That's, the, that's what the, that's what the players say. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I tend to believe the guys who are, are throwing the balls that there, that there might be something different with the postseason baseballs, but uh, 
it's probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, but I think mostly the offenses of just they're they're the best teams in baseball that are left at this mm-hmm. point. So you have to expect um, some fireworks, and that's what we get. Let's move on to the uh, championship series then. Yeah, L.A. and Milwaukee. I think that is going to be the better of the two series, even though Houston Boston is going to be amazing. But I just think Milwaukee is like the the up and coming new bandwagon team you know that everyone wants yeah. to love they're like the seattle seahawks of like remember five years ago everyone just wanted to like the seattle seahawks because they were I so want, fun I, and exciting i hate the shit talks yeah well i mean but like <laughs> everyone else was like man marshawn lynch russell wilson this team's so fresh and so cool so fresh i think so the clean. brewers are the new so fresh and so clean team i think so and the dodgers have been around for a while i yeah. mean kershaw he's kind of exercising his playoff demons right mm-hmm. now, but at the same time, he's still got to pitch a better game. He's got game one against Gio Gonzalez, uh, L.A., Milwaukee. Who wins the series, and what's going to be most exciting about it? Okay. Uh, Milwaukee in six. Ooh. They're going to throw another bullpen day at some point, and I think they're going to win that game once again. I just – I'm all about this whole Brewers – I'm on the Brewers bandwagon for this postseason now. Um, yeah. I kind of was. I, I did pick them to win the World Series or be in the World Series against Boston. After seeing the way the Brewers dispatched the Rockies, I'm still sticking. <laughs> I'd love to see the Brewers win, but I still think Boston will. Um, but I'm going to cheer for Milwaukee anyway, just even if I have to make my prediction wrong. I'm fine with that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sticking with Milwaukee in six, and I think it's going to come down to um, offensively. I think that the Dodgers are going to go cold. Wow. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's okay. My bold prediction. All right. Uh, Patrick, same question. Oh, man. I I want to say Brewers in six because it's easy because that way I don't have to say Brewers squeeze it out in seven or <laughs> Brewers uh, shock the world with a five-game uh, series win. So I'm going to go spicy and say Brewers in five. I think what happens is the Dodgers bullpen self-destructs. Milwaukee, they're the new hotness, and they've got so many good bats. And I think Christian Yelich puts on a show, and Milwaukee strolls right into the World Series against Boston, all cocky and confident, and I think they're going to take that one too. I think it's Dodgers in five because they got the experience. They've been here before. They're a great baseball team. Mm -hmm. And also Milwaukee, I just think they're going to be like Cleveland – Last week, I think they're good. I think their bats are gonna. I think Yelich is still gonna hit bombs and he's gonna be great. But it's just like how with Cleveland, uh, it was basically Lindor and that's it. I think that's yeah. what's gonna happen in Milwaukee. Fair I think enough. their supporting cast is gonna fall apart a little bit. Uh, Houston, Boston, Verlander and Sales game one. That's gonna be a great game. First off, who's gonna win that game? Just game one. <sighs> Boston. I think that both pitchers will go seven innings one or two runs a piece, maybe no runs a piece, and it's going to come down to the bullpens in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, like this series, every game is going to be close. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see a 16-1 to game in this series like we saw with Boston New York. This is going to be, I'm saying a seven-game series, Boston and seven. I'm going to go Houston and seven. I think that with, I think Verlander is going to pitch three games in this series. He could. I think he's going to pitch game one, game four, and game seven. I think that they're going to really rely on Verlander in this one and Keuchel. He'll throw two. Mm-hmm. So like that, they have five, and then they just need to hope that maybe they get it. Like They need to yeah, hopefully Morgan's win there. those games, you know? But I think Verlander's going to go off. 
I think he's going to kind of empty the tank and kind of maybe go for two, you know, because he has never, like, did he win a World Series yeah, before? Last, last year. No, just, I, no I mean, oh, before no, just, Houston. Just last year. He yeah. never won one. I think when he got a taste of winning, and now he's like, I really want to mm-hmm. win again. I think he's going to be so amped up that he's just going to pitch great baseball, and I think Houston's going to take it and kind of start a little dynasty. Patrick, do you agree or disagree? I think that Boston is going to take the series, but it's going to be – one of those extravaganzas where like every game is going to be down to the wire. I do agree with you. Verlander is going to throw at least two gems. I think he throws a two-hit complete game shutout in game one. Oof. Really sets the tone. It's going to be like a one nothing or 2 nothing win. Mm-hmm. And then all bets are off and everybody just kind of locks in. And both teams try to go for like the 2-1, one nothing, 3-2 win. It's going to be really tight small ball and there's going to be some extra inning heroics but ultimately boston in seven all righty we all have seven, seven games. games i like that um last week we asked ourselves some questions about the divisional series uh let's just quickly answer them here <laughs> uh can boston void left set yes yep. yes they can uh will houston or cleveland have the better starting rotation performance Definitely wasn't Cleveland, uh, that's for sure. Uh, man, they were really disappointing. Uh, can the Brewers continue to ride the bat of Yelich? They can, but everyone else will suck if that happens. They weren't horrible. Like they the were Bre- good. Yeah, yeah. The Brewers Bre- had a good yeah, series. Yeah, the Brewers. Uh, yeah, the Brewers supporting cast wasn't bad, but again, I just don't see that formula isn't good. It's like the run and shoot offense, yeah. or like the offense that the Phoenix Suns ran yeah. with Steve Nash and Marion, just the. Like up and down, fast court. The old chip and chase. Exactly. I, I just don't think this is a winning formula that the Brewers have. Fair enough. Uh, and then can the young Braves overcome a lack of experience? They could not. They could not. <laughs> uh, some questions for this series that I'll ask you guys. Will the Brewers rotation hold up against the power of the Dodgers? Uh, based on my prediction of Brewers in six, yes. And not only the Brewers rotation, but their bullpen will be solid. Patrick? Uh, no, but their bullpen is going to do the legwork and key and get them the five game series win. Seven bullpen days. God, that would be a nightmare. Oh, Every day nightmare. bullpen day. I can't see the Dodgers slowing down offensively. Mm-hmm. And I think Puig is going to be sneaky good yeah. in this series. God, he's, Puig he's just so comes street. in on those big moments though. Puig, your friend. And I think there's going to be a lot of big moments in this series with Milwaukee. And I think Puig lives for that. Yeah. God, he's like a different breed. He's a, he's a interesting guy. Yeah, those Central Americans, they're, oh man, they're so good when it comes to playoff baseball. Yeah. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, will he have a strong series or does he shit the bet again? Um, yeah, he'll 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 get the two wins for uh, the Dodgers in the in the six game series. He'll be the he'll be the two for them. He'll be the horse there. Okay. Yeah. I don't agree. I think Clayton Kershaw will be okay. Um, but he is not going to get a single win, and he is not going to get enough run support. I think so, Kershaw is going to be up. good with his bat, though. I think he's going to help himself out. Yeah. I think, honestly, I don't know why I have a feeling, but I think <laughs> Kershaw is going to hit like a big home run. I don't know why. He always <laughs> hits a couple. He that. hits a couple. He's yeah. not a bad hitter. And I, I, worst, I, I think he's. De- I don't know why I got a feeling Clayton Kershaw is going to help himself out with the bat. <laughs> it's going to like spark him. I love that. Uh, and then who hits more home runs, Houston or Boston? 